Hey, are you going diving this weekend? Keep your mask clear with the one, the only, PFAR. The professional's choice. 100% all natural. Reliable clarity. PFAR. Refill daily. Keep your mask clear. Never fear. PFAR with PFAR. Welcome back, Brando. Thank you very much. Hey, little mama. <laughs> I, I think hey, uh, 90% of our listeners don't know who that is supposed to be, little mama. But don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. Just be my That's Elvis Aaron there. Presley. You know, I, I, so I just, uh, Patty and I were just down in Florida stayed at crystal river we stayed at the old port hotel and marina down there that's that's where uh elvis and the crew stayed when he was filming that movie back in the 60s oh that one movie which movie that was one it? movie what uh follow that dream baby okay come on now <laughs> they have a Let's big go, little uh, mama. big sign little mama you gotta follow that dream little mama <laughs> hey colonel tom uh do they have a big sign up Elvis slept here or anything? Did you get to stay in Elvis's old room? Heartbreak Hotel. I stayed in the Heartbreak Hotel, baby. It's not the Heartbreak <laughs> Hotel, ironically. <laughs> but we got to get a little uh, little splash out in Crystal River. A little uh, swim with the manatees. You know, I know everybody thinks of us as, you know, diving all the time and, and always thinking about you got to do these like big crazy dives. But case in point. Went all the way down to Florida, had a great time just doing a little snorkel with the manatee. Dang. You missed all the diving down there. <laughs> I did. I missed it all. <laughs> but I got to take my wife, who loves to go see the manatees, on a little manatee dive in very shallow water. Yeah. But um, it was still a good time. Snapped. Uh, I, got, I got one... One good, but the viz was terrible, you know, when we were down there. But yeah, I ended up making some magic out of you know one one shot of a manatee coming head on that I happened to be in the right place to to get it. Usually they were coming by, you didn't see them until they're right on top of you. What'd you do? Like steal a picture from the internet and cut out a picture of manatee <laughs> and place it in the blurry water picture? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I did. Uh, me petting the manatee. But listen, Brando, I got a story uh, about shallow water for everybody today. You know, it's often really? the case here. You go down on these dive trips, you get down to the, the Caribbean. The water's so clear, so easy, so shallow. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing. Well, I don't know if that's but a as good we're way about to approach see. it. <laughs> go ahead. But I mean, even for you and I, whether we're doing a dive in nearly 200 feet of Great Lakes cold water or if we're doing a dive in 20, 30 feet, you know, of just the, our, our local lake along the shoreline, we still have a routine that we go through 
before we get in the water to make sure that everybody's on page, everything's working how it's supposed to be. And if we need to use any of this stuff that we're carrying with us, all this emergency stuff, that it's where it's supposed to be and it works the way it's supposed to work because you don't need a ton of depth to die underwater. Really? I thought in Open Water 101 they taught the opposite. There's a lot of time spent on getting bent. You really can't get bent in shallow water. But you can do a whole lot of other worse stuff. Are you saying there's worse? Are you saying there's some stuff worse than the bends? Well, that's my whole point, especially when teaching open waters, is we spend all this time on decompression sickness. And yeah, it's, it's definitely something to, to take into consideration. But gosh, it, the, other, the other issues are way more prevalent and way more dangerous and way more applicable to the average open water diver. I mean, right. The, the long over expansion injury is more of a relevant topic than, yeah. You know, the, the bends. Right. And that happens when you run out of gas and bolt to the surface or perceive that you've run out of gas and bolt to the surface. Right. Right. Anyway, that's always been a, a thing in my mind is the amount of time spent on, on getting bent and then very little very little class time or actual you know thought put into the other issues that could pop up because they're scary they're a little bit more and we're gonna look at a couple yeah yeah well they absolutely are and i think that's a lot a lot of why for many years um it was a shorter paragraph in the in the training <laughs> materials because we, nobody was allowed to talk about the really scary stuff. Just, right. Let's just mention it. And yeah, a lung over expansion is is way more frightening than some uh, elbow pain. Yeah. Yeah, among other things. Right. Right. This is written by a Dr. Ingrid Pruss. Dr. Pruss. It's called Never Too Shallow. It's never too shallow. Ah, that's what women now. <laughs> now you realize that. So, uh, what most women say about their husbands—they're never too shallow. They're shallow, heartless humans. Just shallow enough to put up with you for thirty years. <laughs> and this is a a bit of a dive that I mean is I would say the the, the most common type of diving for the vast, vast majority of everyone that's taken scuba lessons in, in the last 40 years. What about before that? <laughs> before not... that, it, uh, I, I think before that, people got certified to dive based off of their local environment. But for the last 40 years, you know, the, the, the push has really been get certified to dive so you can travel to right. these glamorous well, locations. Yeah, traveling became easier and more uh, accessible by the average human as opposed to back yeah, in the yeah. Day. it was the privileged few. Sometimes I wish it would go back to that way. <laughs> After more than a week of 3 or 4 dives a day on a beautiful and remote Caribbean island, my husband Barry and I had settled into a comfortable routine. We'd do a couple of morning wall dives, followed by one or two afternoon beach dives with an occasional night dive. This was only my second dive trip, but I was already 
starting to feel very much at ease with the whole experience. This is easy. <laughs> this oh, is man. super easy. I just got to breathe. Do we really need to do BWRAF still? <laughs> I mean, it's we've been doing it all week. It's so easy. <laughs> you don't need to check that stuff. No, I just checked it last week. I just checked it on the last dive I was on. But even a lot of the pre-dive checks that, that you see most people doing are are relatively superficial. And it's and a lot of them are designed around having somebody else check your shit for you. Well, yeah. I think that's... Right? It's, uh, hey, hey, Brando, B, look back there and make sure my <laughs> BCD's okay. And then... Hey, <laughs> uh, Air, Brando, hey, look back there and see if my valve's all the way open, would you? W, while you're at it, check the rest of my gear. <laughs> F, you're a friend. <laughs> Thanks, friend. On our 10th dive... Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, this easily, from what she said, it's like the third day, maybe the fourth, right? If they're doing a couple morning dives, afternoon dive or two, night dive. I know a lot of people that go pretty hard like that as far as they're just diving all day when they go on those vacations. You know a couple of them. Oh, yeah, I sure yeah. do. I sure do. And um, what we what we see is that, you know, when you're when you're doing that and everything's going so smooth, it's easy to get complacent and just blow off a lot of the stuff that should become routine on every dive of of the people that you're in the water with. Of, I mean, when I get in the water with you, I'm not just going to assume that you threw your necklace on and have your long hose routed properly. And I mean, I'm looking at you. You, you have and it's bit you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Right, same thing. You're looking at me, you know, yeah. not just to see how awesome my hair looks when, I, when we're underwater on those. And dives. it looks pretty damn. You're awesome. looking to see if I've got a stream of bubbles shooting out behind my head or, or like at my pressure gauge. You know, something that I can't see or can't hear, or don't notice. I'm looking like, for that, all your what mistakes. Good, that's what two good teammates are doing in the water. Yes, we're trying to get each other with mistakes. Ah, there's one. Got him. Well, again, like, like I have this conversation with uh, with my students a lot because at first it is a little bit of a poking at the mistakes. Yeah. But it, but in the reality, like I don't think like if it's 95 degrees out and you're throwing, a, you know, a, a dry suit and a bunch of gear on and you got to walk to the water and you forget to put a crotch strap on or you, you threw everything on and you didn't fully route a necklace or you you didn't get a pressure gauge clipped up. I get it. That stuff happens. The problem isn't in forgetting to get that stuff. The problem, in my opinion, is you get in the water with your buddies. You're looking at each other. If you don't catch it there and you let the dive begin without catching it. And, I mean, that's what the checks are for is right. get in the water, calm down, get your breathing under control, relax a minute, take a goddamn minute, look at each other, and and clean everything up yeah and but we see that a lot where whole teams especially teaching you you find it in the uh well teaching the essentials class you'll find it happening and i think a lot of that though is because they're uh they're trying too hard to not miss <laughs> any checks and and it's amazing though like three people will will get in the water and having checked each other and their own gear 
and one of them will have a, a necklace not on or, you know, <laughs> the necklace over the long hose right, or yeah. whatever. Stuff Necklaces like that. routed over the long hose. Yeah, little things, but... Yeah, or dry suit hoses routed over the long hose. Oh, so you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, those things happen getting ready, but it's it's that little routine that right. you go through of fully deploying that, right? Or if you're diving an octo that you don't have your octopus wrapped around a shoulder strap, right? You pull it out, you fully deploy it. If I have to use this later, it's fully deployable, it breathes, it works, and I'm doing it underwater knowing that it's not taking wet breaths. Yeah. There's nothing worse than having a 36-inch octo hose and it's wrapped <laughs> under a shoulder strap by accident and you, you go to deploy it you got about <laughs> nine inches of hose that you can actually use. Like, dude, right. not good. Yeah, those those checks are vital, and you have to do them to yourself and, and do one as you check with your partner, your teammate. So, yeah. On our 10th dive, we had excellent conditions for our afternoon beach dive. Clear skies, light surf of about one foot, and no current to speak of. Our dive plan was no different than our previous beach dives. We would snorkel out to the buoy and begin our dive from there. As my back wouldn't let me lift anything heavier than about 20 pounds. Yeah, my back not. My husband. <laughs> None of our backs will. <laughs> my husband. Wait a minute. My husband <laughs> helped me gear up in waste deep water. Wait a minute. Where's the equal rights, folks? <laughs> Our buddy, Kimora, and I would begin to snorkel out while Barry got his camera and fins and joined us at the buoy. Kimora was there, eh? Oh, yeah. Kimora's everywhere. I would say the overwhelming majority of divers, when they get into a place, you know, um, like these beautiful glorious dive locations that are going to have beautiful dives you know sites to see fish to interact with you know marine life coral beautiful amazing sites it's really common for the way people have been trained to be in this happy beautiful underwater dream world and forget that they're in an underwater world that does not that support diving. human life. <laughs> Forget that they're diving. That they're diving first. Yeah. And, and, and they do not belong there, no matter how cool the site is. And they just let their brain go to that cool thing swimming by and forget everything that's going on around them. The, the, the fact that, dude, you're underwater now. Well, yeah. It, I mean, what you just said makes me want to go off on a rant, but I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold back. But I will make a comment, which would be a... Well, who are you? Who are you? Imposter! <laughs> well, it's the normal rant, you know, because what you just said is, is absolutely true. You, you get to these beautiful dive destinations and all these certif certified divers are there, the majority... As you said already, the majority of people that are getting certified now in the past 40 years are traveling. They don't, they're not getting trained to dive in their environment in their backyard, so they're traveling. And unless they're, you know, 
some kind of flight crew working for the airlines or whatnot, or just independently wealthy, um, they, you're not traveling every week. You're not travel. You know, you're not going diving every week in these beautiful destinations. It's, that's a very rare person doing that. But the average person is going out once or twice a year, and the emphasis in the Maybe. training, yeah, the emphasis in the training is how simple it is. And again, I'll reiterate: the bends are the biggest thing to worry about. And the actual reality of it is, you have to be vigilant on every dive. You should take it very seriously because. Because you can uh, be murdered. <laughs> there, I said the M word, murdered. No, you can you can die scuba diving. You can become seriously injured scuba diving. Um, even in shallow water, even on recreational dives. But there's there's not a huge emphasis on that in class. So there's not a lot of seriousness taken with the pre dive checks. I mean, you lose that. Uh, Attention to detail, you use that, uh, you lose the, um, I want to call it like uh, vigilante kind of thinking where like everybody's trying to kill me and and you kind of should and I'm not trying to take away <laughs> from the joy of diving. I mean, to me, that's part of the joy of diving. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that that's how you find more joy in diving, right? right? When, you, when you don't have to trust like when I know for sure that my tank valve is open all the way and it's open the correct way myself because I can check it myself by reaching behind me and knowing that my equipment is configured in a way that I can reach and manipulate that valve and understand it fully, I don't ever again have to trust that somebody else or a dive master or, or somebody that was preoccupied and thought they were doing one thing and were doing another Right, that gives me way more joy than just crossing my fingers and hoping somebody didn't mess up with all that gear behind me that I can't see. Yeah, yeah. Right, and two buddies, you know, out of three swimming out, hey, we're going to go right over here. Okay, I'll be right back. Now that I helped you get into your gear, I'm going to run back and grab my fins and my camera on shore, then walk out, and then, whoa, two people have taken off because something cool swam by. But we're all a buddy team. right. And now we're all going to go different ways. Well, <laughs> we're all going to have a different uh, view. We we as long as we as long as everything goes good and we end the dive back at this shore, this buddy dive is is going to be, you know, seen as a successful buddy dive. When really things get destroyed right from the very first second. <laughs> exactly. Well, when when the the team. I mean, what kind of team is a team that's. I mean, yes, you're underwater at the same time, but you're not together. You can't really help each other. The whole idea is you have to rely on each other, you know, for emergencies to a certain degree, right? That's part of the team concept is you're there just in case. I got my air McDoodle right here. I got a stage bottle, you know, a sling bottle too. That's the other one, or a pony bottle even worse. Kimura was a good bit ahead. And Barry had not caught up with me yet when I spotted a queen trigger in about 12 feet of water. As she appeared unafraid of my approach, I traded my snorkel for my regulator and dropped down to see if I could get close enough for a good photo. Right after I snapped the picture, I heard a very loud sound and the water around me started clouding up with small bubbles. 
Well, it sounds a little bit. I mean, the loud sound, if she's talking about a sudden loud sound, like a, an O-ring gave way. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious, were the bubbles there, you know, prior to noticing them? <laughs> Has this been going on for the whole dive kind of thing? Uh, again. I wait, mean, wait. It's, it's like the old, I just ran out of air. <laughs> Everything was fine, and I just ran out of exactly. air. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was all gone. It, it went from 3,000 to, to zero in to, one breath. Yeah. Zip. I took an inhalation and nothing came through. Right. Like when you when you set gear up on, the, on shore to do a shore dive, you go stand in waist-deep water. You have your husband carry it all out. Like <laughs> a, 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 a leak that's been going on for the last hour or so that – you know, nobody's really heard or paid attention to. And then immediately you're snorkeling. So all that stuff is probably out of the water. And then all of a sudden you see something, you take off for it. Well, now yeah. you're in a place where uh, you can actually see and hear hear those bubbles. So it makes sense. It's not that they just started. Right. Uh, and part of doing again. that and part of doing that whole little check, you know, that last one is confirming, yes, it's the beginning of the dive and my gas is still full right where it's supposed to be. I don't think it's a great feeling in the back of your mind either, not having checked your gas once you're in the water. So you know exactly what you're starting out with. I mean, it's one thing to get your gear together and turn on the gas and you check it. Okay, great, I'm full. Um, and then you just leave your tank on, leave your valve turned on, and you're not actually heading underwater for another 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, depending, even more. So, yeah, you're right. Gas could have been leaking that entire time, and you don't know what your start point is. That and you have people that do the opposite is they, they turn it on, they pressurize it, then they turn, turn that valve off. off. So just <laughs> just for that very reason, yeah. right? In case something is leaking, I'm not going to lose a bunch of gas. And then they jump into the water with a valve turned off well, because, yeah. because they look mm-hmm. at the gauge and the gauge says 3,000 PSI. Yeah. So it's full, right? Which which happens. I've done it before myself. I, I mean, it, it's not... It's not something that can't happen and don't doesn't happen. You've done, that's the whole you've done premise. That stupid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's the whole premise of no. why you go through the routine of confirming yourself that everything is open, right? But then you get in the water, you go, "Whoa, that would have been dumb. Got to open that up. Got to open that up. Got to open that up." Yeah, I mean, all the all the things. I mean, we're talking about kind of just reemphasize the reasons why we do the checks. The we do the pre dive check and we do the check in the water. The way we do it, which is things things slip by, um, especially when uh, you're out of routine, you know, in which going on these little dive excursions, traveling and uh, getting in a boat that you're not used to. And, you know, you may even be in rental gear or who knows. Anyway, everything's different. It's out of routine and these things slip by. So she had bubbles around her. She said, I thought my tank was going to explode. Without a trace of panic, though, I ascended 10 feet to the surface and pushed the button on my power inflator. I figured I'd snorkel back to the beach about 200 feet or so. But my power inflator didn't work. And simultaneously, <laughs> simultaneously, my regulator... Stopped breathing, Brando. 
Well, that's weird. The, are the two related somehow? <laughs> Remaining calm, <laughs> I ditched my weight belt and began to orally inflate my BC. Dang. Which is, a, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, so she's at least going through some good procedure. I mean, I give her that. I mean, she's not like immediately going into a full blown panic. Yeah. Her brain, her brain Still is in the working, right place right. of like, I need, I need to gain buoyancy, right? So that, that's the first thing on her head. Remain calm, gain buoyancy, you know, be able to think. That's all really good stuff, which is what you need to do because you of, have to breathe. And if you're part of the right, right, right. right. <laughs> I was just going to say that's a big part of the issue right there is people can easily flush every bit of training they've had down the toilet when uh, when something goes wrong because all the wires in the brain get, get crossed and uh, they kind of freeze up or just, you know, panic and bolt to that. Oh, yeah. Like uh, uh, a, a loud stream of bubbles when you're underwater and you're uncomfortable already yeah and, and not confident with the gear yet and you're not confident with yourself yet i mean it's not it's not you know odd for a fight or flight to kick in and you go get up <laughs> yes time Reg- to go regardless of yeah regardless of, of how deep you are right it's i mean that's the whole point of of us saying th- this game should be a slow approach a game so that you've got time to to learn all this, like these little nuances, and and get comfortable with weird stuff happening out of the ordinary, because out of the ordinary happens kind of ordinary once you look at the big picture of the game. Well, I would say that going diving is out of the ordinary, unless you're diving every day all the time. Right. Going diving for most people yeah. is out of the ordinary, right? Between the weight of my tank and the light surge. I was unable to keep my head above water while attempting to blow up the BC. I inhaled some water. It must have started to panic a bit because I kicked off one of my fins trying to keep my head above the surge. This made matters worse. So I called for help but aspirated even more water and lost my other fin. <laughs> Well, it's a great example of how when uh, shit hits the fan, they, it usually tends to get worse versus getting better. <laughs> when right. it this rains, is it your pours. Old, yeah. This is your old Murphy's Law yeah. uh, uh, dive buddy, right? Yeah, bud. I mean, it's when it starts to get worse, oh, it's going to go all the way to the worse. When we talk about doing that neutrally buoyant, 10 feet of water, little equipment check with each other right making sure everything's routed where it's supposed to be making sure uh no leaks are occurring just giving a general glance over at at your buddies you're looking at things like something's hanging out of a pocket uh a fin strap isn't all the way around their heel like i mean i've seen these things and we've corrected these things you know you're doing a, a a a surf entrance and you're getting knocked around a little bit standing around on rocks it's it's not unlikely to think that as you lift your foot up and pull that strap that it might not actually hook around the heel that it's just it 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 missed those are those are the things i'm talking about when you're looking at at the buddies that you're in the water with to see if something happened that they're unaware of not because of their incompetence but just because 
shit happens when you're you're getting suited up in the water. It does. No, agreed. Yeah. Especially if, if you're using like an older style and, and this story comes, you know, from the, the, the late nineties of the plastic buckled fins, the, the, you know, the cam buckle, plastic buckle fins that kind of pop open the, the straps around the heel, but <laughs> the fins super loose, you know, a little stuff like that. Yeah. The next thing I knew, Barry had put his regulator in my mouth and was helping me to the surface. He started trying to orally inflate my BC. But the shortness of his regulator hose was hampering him. So he switched me to his octopus. I guess I wasn't fully conscious by then because I let it fall from my mouth. I was told later that I'd put it back in my mouth upside down and clenched it so tightly in my teeth that Barry was unable to rectify the situation. I don't remember. By the time my BC was orally inflated and my head was finally out of the water i was gurgling loudly from water in my lungs i passed out just as kimura and barry began to tow me into shore well i'm assuming she lived because she wrote this story spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's a rough one so not to go off on too much of a tangent here tangent here but uh no do the um, the recommended procedure now, because there's a lot of debate still regarding this particular topic as far as getting someone to shore, doing rescue breathing or whatnot, is it more advantageous to just swim them in as quick as possible? Or should you still be trying to do rescue breaths and slowing that you're slowing that rescue down though? You know, you're slowing down the actual uh, ability to give good rescue breaths or chest compression should you need to do that what's the what's yeah, the no, latest this, this and greatest james yeah this is always a, a a good discussion yeah here they're just 200 feet from shore right so you can you can do the rescue breaths doing a shore dive 200 yeah know. doing 200 feet of swimming which isn't far, but it isn't short neither. <laughs> so uh, right. you but are I significantly mean, uh, slowing the uh, actual rescue ability. I mean, because in-water breathing and in-water, well, there's no in-water compressions. You're just not going to do it. But in-water breathing, even that isn't super uh, efficient. No, it's, it's you've got to be really good to do a real in-water rescue breath and right. not add to the aspiration of water. Thank I mean, you. It's... And and how often do people really practice it? So how good and that's are what, they And that's be? what I mean. Right. I yeah. mean, if you happen just by happenstance, you happen to be a rescue instructor that's right there that teaches a rescue class every single week and your technique has been so perfected, maybe. But if you're just the average diver, Probably not. Even the average rescue certified diver, I mean, how often are you really practicing something like that? You're probably practicing toes. You might be practicing some some fake rescue breaths, but a real rescue breath? (laughs) Yeah. At shore of a real site? And let alone, I mean, if, if, if they did a shore dive but were, you know, they were out half a mile from shore. That's a whole different situation. 
or if they're 200 feet from the boat is different than being 200 feet from shore. And do, what if it's 200 feet from a Zodiac boat <laughs> that you got to not like a big dive boat with a big, beautiful swim platform you can get the person up. Right. I mean, these are all like totally different situations. Right. And, and it's hard to address every single situation. And But the reality of the whole thing is these are real situations you just described. And you've got to make a decision in the moment. Is it more advantageous? Is it better for the victim, for the person suffering, the out of gas, you know, I can't breathe issue? It's better for them to just get them to oxygen, ASAP, and uh, just swim your ass off or try to do the rescue breaths very inefficiently as well as slowing that, that actual swim to re- a real rescue, a real aid with oxygen and, and people that can help. What's better? What's and this the is best? what they did. Is, yeah. And this is what they did. They went to shore right yeah. away. Okay. Right? And then she says, I woke up lying on my side in the sand with my husband watching over me. Kimura had snorkeled out and appeared shortly thereafter with a doctor from a nearby dive boat. I was put on antibiotics to prevent possible lung infection. It was decided that I'd live to dive again. Somehow, Kimura had even managed to rescue all the cameras. Kimura is an invaluable resource on this dive. So what you said a minute ago, right, to take the time 200 feet from shore right, to... Take her mask off. Take your mask off. Yeah, that whole rigmarole. Look, listen, yeah. feel. Right. I don't think she's breathing. She, uh, you know, uh, give two, try to give two rescue breath. Right. It, that would have been wasted time there, right? Yeah. I, I'm i just, just thinking get, if it were me sh- from the description, we're heading in as as fast as I can go. A where we can actually friend. do something worthwhile, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm with you. I would, have, I would have made that same... Yeah, because even the rescue breaths going in, you're going to take what, what would take like a minute to two minutes. You're already at shore where you, where you can right. do it all. Yeah, exactly. She said, the next day, a local dive boat found my fins, and Barry and Kimura recovered my mask and weight belt. Barry and Kimura are getting a little too close. Here, that was what I was going to go into was what if all of this was not an accident? What if Kimura oh. and Barry have a little thing? Because Kimura is really helpful out there, obviously. And I think, I mean, she seems to really Kimura have is, together. It's a sexy name. She would have noticed. I'm, I'm, assuming, she's be- I'm assuming she's beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> I think, I think in uh, I mean, she statistics like she's got show like a, that's a, a she's got a good I, wrist. I can that's see her bet. with uh, with dark olivey skin. Oh, she's definitely exotic. Dark, she's dark exotic. exotic hair, long flowing hair, and she dives in a bikini. That's all she needs. Is that's a all bikini. she's ever dived in. She's grew up. She grew up on the water. Barry has his <laughs> swim jam jam <laughs> swim trunks. He's, he's got that are hanging out the bottom of his shorty wetsuit. Oh, nice! That's a good look. That's a good look. That's a problem with these, you know. As when I when I first started diving, swim trunks were like the, you know, they were short. They were, you know, they were. I didn't go full speedo. That wasn't my way. 
And I was over in Europe when I learned, and everybody was in the Speedo there except, you know. Except us. for you, the American. They all laughed nah, at you. Over there's here, a, there's a few over of here us you wear a Speedo. Everybody laughs that, at the guy in the Speedo. That have a little bit over of there, modesty. Over there, everybody laughs at the guy in the shorts. <laughs> no, we have a little bit of modesty. We are uh, not out there flaunting our package, so to say. Okay, okay, you Quaker. Take it easy <laughs> with your puritanical roots there. <laughs> However, we didn't have uh, we didn't have those long shorts that stuck out the bottom of our shorty, and then when that started happening, it's a bad look. I I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're you know built like a brick. You know what? Uh, I don't like to swear now. All of a sudden, but you you look ridiculous with your shorts hanging out that shorty. That's why I mean I'm I'm either. Your speedo, a speedo under yeah. my speedo under my suit, or I've got nothing on because it's not only does it look ridiculous, it's not comfortable. It can't be comfortable. All that material bunched up, no. and then you're standing there like in a. If you ever see somebody getting a photo of themselves with with those big jam swim chunks shoved into a into a underneath a wetsuit, it looks like they got a diaper on under the suit. Like, come on, even like, without a wetsuit, like, uh, come on, you got to look good for that shot. You, you're not going to be down on that uh, beach for a photo again for years, and you're going to get the only picture you're going like, to get of you doing that short dive. It looks like you got a diaper on under your suit. Come on, people. Exactly that, and like I was saying, even without, or you know, even just on the beach going for a swim, there are a ton of drag. Why would you add more material on yourself underwater or in the water? I don't get it. A- you know what it looks like to me? It looks like these guys are walking around and they haven't groomed. With themselves with their manscaped products. Well, and that would you know, explain it, looks like it got right a there. Biggie, they got like a big bushy forest down there, <laughs> all puffing through their wets. It's really their their jam trunks. But hey, what they should be doing, cleaning up their forest as well as their face, because we've been talking for a couple weeks now, Brando, that Manscaped has these awesome new beard products that I know you're loving. I'm loving my new weed whacker 2.0 and i'm here to tell the world i'm telling all the people of the world all the great dive podcast listeners all over the world that the leaders in that below the waist grooming to make you look good in your wetsuit out there on the dive boat are traveling north of your little south pole forest with their revolutionary grooming products the new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms that they have all the best tools for your dive bag. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code TGDP for 20% off and free shipping. Brando. Jamesy. Men. Men of the Great Dive Podcast. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Tell them. This is the ultimate, ultimate package that makes it even easier than ever to craft that little signature dive boat dive guy look doesn't it well yeah it's uh it is the best beard grooming machine i've ever used and i've used i mean a lot. look at you today i mean now not I me mean, now you got the you got the goatee looking really clean and then you got like a, almost like a nice fade to the rest of it just it's i use my you beard like the cover of gq magazine here well thanks james that that means a lot to me i don't know what GQ you're reading, but that means a lot. But I've I've used my my beard conditioner, my beard shampoo, my beard balm, beard oil. I I use all of those products. To keep my uh, keep that beard tame, baby. 
Of course. You are moisturizing, styling, and shimmering that new beard look of yours. I like it. I like it. I, uh, like I say, I look forward. Let to me look. It, look up. Look. Look up at me. Look at me. Look up. Look. Like kind of tilt your head up into the left a little bit. Up. Up into the right. I don't see any nose hairs at all. That no. weed whacker 2.0, baby. You're not see nose hairs. Those those uh, new blades in that thing. Skin safe technology. No tugging guarantee that it's got. It's never been so painless. <laughs> <laughs> to clean up the little nose cave, has it? Nostrils. Nose cavities, nostrils. The nose cave. The, the nose, nose caves. cave. You know, that is something. In, there's a lot of things in life nobody tells you about. You know, like becoming a parent. There's nobody telling you the real deal with it. And if, if there's people out there that are going to be new parents, just text me, email me, whatever. I'll give you the real deal. But the biggest thing about growing old is that God hair leaves your head and starts growing in, in stupid ass places, weird places, and that's where the weed whacker comes in. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not a fun thing getting old. You know what? It's worse though, James. Yeah, you know what's worse? I think worse than getting old. No, there's <laughs> yeah, not getting old is probably a little worse for, for people that need explanation. That means you're dead. You died. Okay, so. Uh, but it's worse if you're a woman and you're getting all those nose hairs and ear hairs. Those are bad. I bet you. I, I bet you, Kamora didn't have any nose oh, hairs, hell no. ear hairs. Kamora, I, we I, built I bet Kimura you, to be this she, incredible girl. She was I mean, with that <laughs> bikini she's wearing. Did you see that thing? A tight. That's an itsy. I mean, if I've ever seen an itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini, it's the one that Kamora was wearing. Well, I uh, I envision her more in like a a floral. Hawaiian type print bikini. That's the one she wore yesterday. She wears skirt. a bikini every day. Maybe a grass skirt. What about a grass skirt and coconut top? Coconuts on string as a uh, top bikini. Regardless of which, she <laughs> is uh, just as well womanly scaped as, uh, as any any guy out there. So people. Get 20% off free shipping with our code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code TGDP. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I think they should just call it Humanscaped. Uh, That next day, Brando, she was feeling better and went snorkeling. And the day after, she was back in the water diving again. Nice. Yeah, good good news. Good to hear about old uh, Dr. Ingrid. She says... The cause of the incident was a blown O-ring. My computer recorded the dive as 10 feet for one minute. Hardly a dive to almost lose one's life over. I learned the hard way that any descent below the surface on compressed air, no matter how shallow the water, should be considered a dive. Even a tiny dive for one minute should never be done without a buddy close at hand. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go underwater without <laughs> being sure you're ready to go underwater. That's that's what it comes down to. Right, and it goes back to a lot of the stuff that we talk about along the, the past couple hundred episodes of, yeah, you need not just somebody there, but you need a teammate who's paying attention yeah. and focused on you and making sure everything's dialed in, especially right there at the beginning of going underwater. Once you know you've got it all squared away, okay, now you can let your attention get pulled away a little bit by the queen triggerfish, by the nurse shark, by the whatever the site is, right? But right at the beginning, you're hyper-focused. You're hyper-aware. 
you're hyper aware of that pygmy seahorse. You forgot to say pygmy seahorse. That seems to be the big attraction these days. So add pygmy seahorse into that. <laughs> the nurse shark. Your pygmy seahorse. Whether it's a dive to 10 feet or 110 feet, you're making sure you're properly weighted. You're making sure that you have the gas. You're making sure that all the shit that you have in pockets and attached to you is there for a reason and working. Otherwise, what was the point of taking any of it with you? Right? I mean, it, it's if, you've, if you're diving Great. with a long hose like a lot of people are doing nowadays, right? If you've got your long hose trapped under a necklace and you can only use eight inches of it, what the hell's the point of having a seven foot <laughs> hose? Just dive with a goddamn eight inch hose because it's all you can use, anyways. Right, you can't just throw on a bunch of scuba gear just to look macho and cool and and tough and badass on the shore and on the beach and on the boat. It's there for a reason, and and if you're not one hundred percent positive that everything is where it's supposed to be and working, what's the point of having it on to begin with? Yeah, don't forget the real purpose of the scuba gear. It it's not to uh, not to look macho and cool, like you said. The real purpose is it's life support equipment. <laughs> so like any life support equipment, you need to uh, check it out before you go to use it. You don't just grab it and use it. And it's got to be maintained. It's, and it's got to be, I mean, if you have something that you're going to use, and this won't be the time to talk about whether or not you should be using a long hose or an octopus or an Air McDoodle or a pony bottle or, or whatever – regardless of what one you're going to use, you got to make sure that it's open and that it's working and it's donatable and it's in a, a place that can be used. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a good, we, we harp on this, but this is a good story to show you that even in a 10 foot deep dive site, you can have an issue and it can cost you your life or nearly cost you your life. Um, yeah, damn right. I mean, what would have happened to this this poor woman if this was 110 feet? Well, yeah. Not just 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we've got a different ending to the story. You're probably right. I don't think it would have gotten that far at all, and, and we'd have had a casualty. Uh, might have been what Barry and Kimura were aiming to do in the whole land all along. But the dock, she foiled their plans by only going to 10 feet. All right, everybody. Um, well, hey, listen, are you getting out and diving this week? Spring is here. April is here. First weekend of April. A lot of people getting out there doing some spring cleanup dives, getting ready for the season. Remember, just because you're doing a little 20-foot dive, you're still underwater. And you're still reliant on life support equipment. Yeah. There you go, everybody. Um, Brando. Jamesy. Should we sign some logbooks? Sure. Sure, sign the logbooks. Sign away. Your jams are <laughs> rocking with the electric colors and the jagged lines. This makes me think of 1991. <laughs> the 90s called. They want their jams back, yeah. Your Speedo is rocking, James. Thank God for uh, Manscaped. <laughs> Most definitely. That's... Uh, if if there's ever an endorsement photo, this is it. Look at look at this. Look look at this. You don't see any sideburns down here. 
chops. Yes. All right, everybody. All right, lamb chop. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. We'll, Don't forget to we'll go over to the Abyss Coffee Co. Next week, James. We won't see any of these people. That's right. Don't forget to go over to the AbyssCoffeeCo.com and order some coffee and uh, use that code TGDP10. Tell them old James Ian Brando sent you. Thanks, everybody. Buenos nachos. Blah, blah, blah.